Hi, I'm Ray Simmons, and you've landed at The Confessionalist. The Confessionalist with an S. It's plural, and that's the whole idea. This is more than just individuals confessing Christ publicly. It's about all of society confessing Him in our current time and space. Building Christendom must be done with a social confession, representative heads confessing and covenanting with Christ. Well, before we start today, I'm pleased to announce that my book has been released. The title is The Confessional County, Realizing the Kingdom Through Local Christendom. It's available on Amazon now in paperback and Kindle, so get yourself a copy today. Today we're on episode 9, and I want to talk about the County Before Country Conference last week. I'll give you some of my highlights and ruminations, and I'll give you my overall take at the end. Well, the host was Michael Foster, and it was really good to get to know him. People have been telling me for uh, quite some time that I should sync up with him, and that's been great advice. Um, He is a super neat guy. He's action-oriented. He's the type of guy that will fight you if you need to be fought, and and he'll be patient with you if if you don't need to be fought. He, he likes his term managed tension. And the idea is that, you know, we need to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations and um, getting out and talking to our neighbors and, and going to meetings, just doing something. He's also further down the track than I am on uh, localism and the idea of, uh, of, of a Christian county. So I went to learn, and I learned a lot. Michael chose men from a varied background. He he wanted them to to uh, slice this up differently, and so you have different perspectives. For example, you have Aaron Wren. He's a self-identified urbanist. Uh, he's been influenced by Tim Keller, and he his his study and his passion has been the city. Sitting next to him, you have John Moody, an agrarian. And he's an author of The Frugal Homesteader. And, you know, just on the topics, like the, these two guys are aiming at the same target, but from different angles. Aaron, for example, says we can't abandon the cities because we'd lose not only most of the ground, but essentially all of it. And here you have John uh, not necessarily disagreeing with that, but talking about the importance of growing your own food. He, you know, he points out in Babylon, everyone was commanded to have gardens. And, you know, another example that he gives, like uh, Magdeburg, Germany, uh, in the in the mid-1500s, when they were resisting um, Charles V and, and essentially saving the Protestant Reformation, the reason they were able to do that, John says, is that they had their own supply of food. And he contrasts that to the modern city, which has two to three days of food supply. His point is that uh, we're better able to resist if, uh, if we can pr- procure and produce some of our own food. Well, just briefly, I'd like to insert some of my thoughts on the urban and rural uh, thing. I actually have a positive spin on the concept of this city, but I think the modern city is off track. Essentially, I think we need to reimagine it uh, more in terms of the pre-industrial area. There needs to be more connection. There, there needs to be a center of town that's a center of commerce, that's a center of ideas, center of exchanges, 
um, for almost all antiquity. This is the way it was. Roads went from the center of town out into the local farms. And so you had this um, symbiotic relationship between the, the the city and the surrounding countryside. And I think we need to get back to that. We also need to get back to community. And uh, this is a real challenge for the city. And uh, I think that the millennials have pointed that out. And that's why these corporations today are trying to build towns within cities, these campuses. You, you know what I'm talking about, the, the, the Google campuses with a, you can work there, you live there, you exercise there, movie theaters, restaurants, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's not just Google, even smaller companies like State Farm down in Texas, they're, they're attempting to do this. But really, these are hollow attempts, I think, at the real thing, the real idea of community uh, for a number of reasons. And I hope to, to write about that soon. But um, anyway, this relates to the confessional county because a, a lot of what we talked about is, is having that connectedness. So speaking of the conference, one, one of the most exciting and confirming lectures to me was by George Grant. He's another guy I've corresponded with but never actually met. I felt really good about what he said, and it's because I just released that book that I mentioned. And in the book, I presented this whole idea that land and geography matters just as much or more today than it did for Abraham or Joshua. In other words, our geography and our theology are very much connected, much more than we realize today. And when I did that, when I wrote that, I, I just didn't have a lot to pull from with modern writers. I, I, I got some stuff from Rush Dooney, and I sort of went with my own uh, understanding. I'm sure there's a lot out there, but I just couldn't really find it. But George's talk said it in a way that made me think, okay, if I'm off, off track, at least I'm in good company. He helped me be more confident that indeed land is a part of our societal and covenantal standing before God. So this is the way that George Grant presented it. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant, it promised a number of things, but one of the things that it promised was land. And when you uh, think about the fact that God is the creator and the sustainer of this material world, uh, you, you, you start to get a, a sense of how important land and geography is. Uh, you know, and it really expands in, in the New Covenant whenever um, the apostles are, are sent out to essentially take territory all over the world. Now, when George talks about the land, he's, he's not necessarily saying everyone, everyone owns acres, but he's talking about a geographic area. And the Lord gives us land for three reasons. Number one, to worship. Number two, to work. And number three, to rest. And uh he talks about how Abraham went around and set up altars in strategic places, essentially claiming territory uh, that later Joshua would conquer. Now, this third element he pointed out, resting, that's very important. We are to enjoy home and hearth and, and to uh, relax in the land and enjoy it. And along with this comes beauty. He, he mentioned cathedrals, and I'm completely... Uh, in agreement with him. We lost a lot when we stopped building cathedrals. Uh, you know, this is another long-term project, but uh, George tells a story about a cathedral in Vienna that took 400 years to build. And it, it wasn't because it was so massive, but because they did it piecemeal. They did it at, as, as they could, but it was important to them because beauty is important in worship. And I think we need to uh, 
revive that. A, a high view of worship, I believe, naturally leads us to a beautiful place of worship, just like a nice suit or a nice dress is appropriate for a wedding. So that was a lot of good stuff from George Grant. His his way of thinking uh, uh, geographically and enjoying creation is very important as we go forward because we're going to be doing a lot of activities and doing these you know different things, but we don't want to miss uh, this aspect. Now, going back to Aaron Wren, one of his most popular propositions is the importance of owned space. And I thought when he was saying this, this is more of like claiming ownership, like taking ownership of a project. But he talked about Moscow, Idaho, and how they actually own real estate on the main drag there and how important that is. So it's more than just a, a mindset. It's actually owning things. And what this does is it, it allows you more freedom and it allows you uh, to make greater um, um, de- declarations of, of the gospel and of ethics and of uh, what the Lord requires from us today. So, uh, I, you know, I think that was very important. I want to give a couple of observations and share my own thoughts on, uh, on some more things. First is the idea of fighting, and the second is the idea of staying where you are versus moving. And these two items are somewhat related. So Aaron Wren, again, talked about the motto, fight, laugh, feast. And he, he kind of pushed back against that. He said the fighting, uh, you know, de- declaration was polemical, and it's not really that helpful. Uh, he, he he said that he's mentioned this to Doug Wilson before, but I, I think that it goes back to the environment that they have in Moscow. Now, the thing about Moscow and also the thing about the county that Michael Foster chose uh, is that there's already culture there. Michael Foster's county, the, the one he chose, is basically what I would call a sub-suburb of Cincinnati. Its population is over 200,000 people. Now, it does have a distinct culture from, from Cincinnati. You can feel that when, when you're there. But nevertheless, you know, that's a that's a, a good number of people. Moscow is one of the only three blue counties in all of Idaho. It's only 34,000 people there, but Moscow is a university town. My, my point is, is that Doug's and Michael's counties are large enough and they have institutions that have some elements of militant, secularist, and a neo-pagan culture. And that environment, I think, affects your approach. So my belief is that if you're going to choose a place like that, you have to accentuate the, the fight. You kind of have to own it because it's going to be there whether you want, want it to be or not. So you have to make it part of the strategy. And I would say that it's not without biblical example or historical example. Calvin and Farrell, they weren't softies when it came to the locals. If you choose a county like this and try to build Christendom, it's not going to be easy, but it does allow for the antithesis to shine. And that's probably what I would uh, you know, categorize the Moscow strategy if I'm going to, you know, evaluate it from afar, is is that it 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 exists to accentuate the antithesis. Now, my strategy uh, is also to 
uh, accentuate the antithesis, but I want to do it from one county to another, not within the same county. And uh, this, I believe, would, would allow us to reach comprehensive Christianity earlier. Not that everyone needs to be on that timeline, but if we have some on that timeline, some who, who can make an advance, it will, I think, uh, give motivation to all of Christianity. There's a lot in the Bible about how hearts of large groups are turned one way or another from the victory of a small group. It was pretty obvious in the in the the conference that the Moscow model is the one most looked to. Aaron Wren, uh, he talks about how uh, when he went to Moscow, it was an eye opener for him. And you can just sort of just sense that, okay, uh, now the the spectrum is wider. Now it's not just about the metro areas, but something really can be done um, in in a significant way in smaller towns. For me, while I'm not opposed to the Moscow strategy, it's not the only one available to us. We have to admit that historically and biblically, relocation moving migration to low population areas it's a it's approved by god and it has a, a good historical precedence and record but speaking of fighting i i can't skip over matt truhella his talk had us all ready for battle i mean the way he lays out the doctrine of the lesser magistrate it leaves you thinking i have to go home i have to read more i have to completely rewire my understanding of civil government for example, when you hear Matt talk about judicial supremacy, the idea that the Supreme Court is supreme, you walk away just wanting to go, you know, um, print some T-shirts and and make some signs and stand on a street corner and just say, we've been duped. Uh, the Supreme Court was supposed to be uh, not supreme. It was supposed to be the weakest of the branches, very limited, and its only function was to be a check against the drift away from the Constitution. Matt also brought us some of the inside scoop of what's going on in, in the counties across the country, stuff you don't see in the news. For example, Madison County, Illinois, stood up to Governor Pritzer and, and said that they were not going to shut down the businesses. And when the governor pushed back, it was the uh, state law enforcement that told the governor they're not going to enforce the governor's mandates. Very exciting stuff like this. So Matt is optimistic. And I think we all are. I mean, you know, Matt said two years ago he was thinking we would all just die a slow death, but now, now we see statism for what it is, and the Lord has reminded us of how uh, He thinks on whether or not we should obey or disobey unrighteous laws. Matt's book, by the way, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, has sold over seventy thousand copies now. Okay, last thing. You all know that I'm going to evaluate all of this from a confessional standpoint. And I have to say that the confessional covenantal approach to the county was not mentioned by anyone. Not not directly and not really even alluded to. It almost seemed like we were talking about a, a lot of good stuff, but the speakers were circling around the fire pit, looking at each other, sharing good ideas, but not really mentioning the, the the fire pit that's in the middle without mentioning uh, our standing before God and what we need to do according to the Bible. Now, you know, to be fair, you can't fit everything in a, a short conference. And 
And we're also in the early stages of this resurgence of localism. But we do need to bring in the confessional standpoint soon. We're going to need to spend some time, some more time, in the analysis phase. What is our standing before God? What does the Bible require of us to move forward? I also think we should not only look at urban and rural perspectives, but we should have a conversation about whether to stay or to go, about building uh, and reforming. These are variations of, of themes, but I think the variations should be played out and discussed uh, in, you know, in just, just an open forum, I believe. So in, in conclusion, this was really a fantastic conference. I look forward to the next one. I, I recommend it to you. Speaking of conferences, we're off to the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference in Lebanon, Tennessee. We'll have a booth to promote the book and the podcast. So drop by and pick up a few dozen books if you are there. Mostly, I just like to, to, to see you, to meet you, or to catch up with you. Now, as we close out, I did want to ask for your support. I just put the podcast on Patreon so that if you wanted to support the podcast, you can. Now, I didn't realize how resource-intensive creating a podcast was, both in time and money, until I stood on this side of the mic. So if you feel led, I would appreciate your support so I can keep the ministry going and, Lord willing, expand it. Let's end the way we always do, Psalm 6311. But the king shall rejoice in God, and everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. <laughs>